I posted a poll on Twitter the other day asking if you are a filmmaker, do you plan to make a feature film one day? 38% said yes, definitely. 23% said nah, only shorts. 13% said I already have. And 26% said in my dreams. I'm glad to see that 38% actually do want to make a feature film. And the reason I pose that question is, man, I am chomping at the bit to make another feature film. Part of that is just because I haven't made one in several years. And part of that is because I did a shoot the other day using Log V3 and Filmic Pro shooting on the iPhone 12 Pro Max. And it's the most cinematic and the closest, what I would say, looking footage to a traditional camera that I think I've shot on a phone. And so, yeah, it really got me thinking, is it time for me to make another feature film? Hey guys, Blake Calhoun and another episode of Almost Professional, the podcast about mobile filmmaking, DIY filmmaking, indie filmmaking, really all things filmmaking. And today, yeah, talking about Filmmaking in the literal sense, meaning making films, making movies, and in DIY ways with smartphones or mirrorless cameras, whatever you want to use. I talk about smartphones a lot. And the thing is, even though I'm a big proponent of smartphones and I've used them a ton over the past, I don't know, eight or nine years, and in particular, last three or four years, I still wouldn't recommend shooting a feature film on a phone just because you can get into a mirrorless camera for so little amount of money today as compared to a few years ago, and you'll just get better results. That is until the iPhone 12 Pro Max came along and Log V3. Now, am I saying that it's the same as a Blackmagic camera or even a Sony camera or any kind of small mirrorless type camera? No, I'm not, but I am saying that it's so close now, at least in my anecdotal experience, that you can't really tell the difference. Now, if you analyze it with a fine-tooth comb, can you tell the difference? Of course. And the biggest giveaway usually is shallow depth of field. And so that is still one limitation. Although with the newer sensors on the iPhone, that is changing. The larger sensor now will give you more shallow depth of field. And as I've said in the past, I'm not a huge shallow depth of field person, meaning it's not the end all be all. Classic movies from the past were all deep focus. And so it just depends. That's more of a modern thing today, all the shallow DOF. And really, it's kind of a YouTube thing, if you want to be honest. Most movies are probably shot at like an F4 or a 5.6. I don't know. They're not shot wide open at like a 1.8, even an F2.8. Not only does that make it hard to shoot, it's just sometimes that gets irritating, everything being so shallow. Again, it depends on the topic. But I digress here. That's just one indicator that you're not shooting on a more traditional looking camera. The biggest problem for me forever has been low light and getting video noise. The shoot I referenced at the beginning of this episode was one I did with a new LED light from Ulanzi or their brand called VGM. I shot the same scene three different ways using one light. 
And it was a really fun experiment. I'd never done anything like that before. And so I didn't know how it was going to turn out. And I shot it on my 12 Pro Max. If you hadn't seen that video, I'll put a link in the show notes of this episode. But I am objectively speaking here saying that is the best looking iPhone footage I've ever shot. I'm not saying it's the best footage. I've done a lot over the years. But technically speaking, I didn't even denoise it. And it just didn't even need to be denoised. And I shot in low light for two of the scenes, very low light in one of them. Was it noisy in certain areas? Yeah, a little bit, but it was completely normal. It was not what you would often see with phones from the past. And now this, of course, is primarily due, I think, to the iPhone, the 12 Pro Max, but it also has to do with Log V3. Log V3 is so much better now, and the 10-bit aspect as well. Although the 10-bit aspect doesn't necessarily help with low light, but it does help with having cleaner footage, especially shooting in more dramatic scenarios like that low-key versus of a high-key look. And these are things that I really wouldn't even attempt on a phone in the past, and that's kind of my overall point here. And it's why it got me thinking about whether I could actually make a movie on my phone. You could make a movie on your phone. A lot of people have done it. Sean Baker is one of the more well-known. He shot it on the iPhone 5S. It looked like video, though. It looked like an iPhone movie. And that's kind of the issue that I have with really any camera. It's not just phones. There is a mirrorless camera look. There's a reason you don't see mirrorless cameras shooting Sundance movies, because they look like mirrorless cameras, at least the way they do stock out of the camera. You can finesse it in color grading. But there's a reason that most movies are shot on airy or, you know, red to a degree, and also black magic. Those three cameras are really the main cameras you see in narrative filmmaking. Canon sneaks in there occasionally, but for the most part, it's those top three cameras and Airy being the leader by a long shot. And I forgot about Sony. Sony some too, but Sony really hasn't been a big player in narrative work in a while. Maybe more in documentary along with Canon, but narrative fiction filmmaking has primarily been the realm of Airy and Red and on the indie side, like at Sundance, Black Magic. Ultimately, what we're all trying to do, though, no matter what camera you're using, is make it look more like film. The old joke is, if you want to make your video look like film, shoot on film. That doesn't really apply as much today, because shooting on film, especially for indies, is not easy, and it's not cheap at all. And today, that doesn't even really interest me, except more in a vintage kind of way or a purist kind of way when Christopher Nolan or whoever Quentin Tarantino shoots a movie on film it's great I love to go see it in the theater and it is something that's hard to replicate even with modern cameras like the Alexa LF and so back to phones we're pretty much doing the same thing meaning we're taking an electronic image a digital image and trying to make it look more cinematic trying to make it look like film and it's really never quite gotten there. I think I've done some pretty good stuff in the past, like with Miranda. And then I did a short called The Movie Star. A lot of that comes into the way I did my grading. Of course, lighting is very important too. But there's just something about the motion. Of course, you want to use ND filters to get the right motion blur. But also just the sharpness. You can't take the sharpness out of the phone. The one little side note that I did think of is using a DOF adapter like the B-Script. The short film called No Hard Feelings, if you've seen that, 
the one by those Australian filmmakers that played the Filmic Pro contest a year or so ago. I also did an interview with the DP of that film. That is a very cinematic looking movie. It looks like 16 millimeter to me, or maybe better than 16 millimeter. And they shot on a 10S Max, as I recall, and they did shoot Filmic Pro Log. But using that DOF adapter made all the difference. And it just has that organic, softer, creamier look that really everyone kind of strives for. However, then your camera is getting bulkier. And so for this exercise, that would probably not be a reality because then you have focus pulling issues, etc. But with Log B3 and the combination of the 12 Pro Max, it's starting to get much softer images. And I mean that in a good way. You still have to work with it in post-production and you're also getting nice highlight roll off, which is definitely an indicator of a more cinematic look. That's something the Arri Alexa has been known for forever. One reason people like that, and they would always say, I would rather have a 2K Arri Alexa over a 5K Red just because of the highlight roll off. It just looks so much more organic. It didn't look so digital. But all that's to say that with this stuff I shot recently, it started looking like that. It really did. I was blown away. I fully expected to go into color grading and have to denoise all my footage, and I didn't. If you've seen the video, I did a sci-fi look, a horror look, and a dramatic look. The dramatic look was fairly bright. It had some nice shadows in it, but from an overall lighting aesthetic, it would be more of a high-key look. The horror look was definitely low key and then the sci-fi look was virtually no light in the scene. And so they all held up surprisingly well. The sci-fi shot was a little bit noisy, especially in the shadow areas, but the horror film look was not noisy. I was just so surprised. Shot 4K, 24P, the highest bitrate, Filmic Extreme and Log V3. And I used my LUTs. And when I was editing that, I started to think maybe now is the time to make another feature film, a micro-budget feature. I'm not talking about doing a million-dollar feature on a phone. I'm talking about doing like a, well, a $1,000 feature, maybe, maybe a zero-dollar feature. You do it for fun, and, you know, you hope it'll catch on. And for me, if I do a feature, I could break it all down and use it on my YouTube channel. And so I have a lot of different avenues to go I could do a lot of behind the scenes as I'm shooting the movie. This might be one that I actually would do on weekends too. I haven't done that in a long time. Usually I'll take off and try to shoot a whole movie in, you know, a couple weeks, usually 10 days for an indie, you can knock it out. The longest shoot I've ever done, just for those of you who don't know my background, is probably 21 days. I've done, hmm, how many have I done now? Probably 10 total features and feature-length web series, meaning hour and a half to two hours long. The last big narrative film, though, I did or project was 2014. So that's been seven years. I've done a bunch of shorts along the way. And so I'm really just chomping at the bit to make another larger scale. Well, <laughs> larger scale is probably not the right way to say that. Larger runtime, you know, feature-length project versus short films. Because if I do something, especially if I shoot it on my phone, it won't be larger scale. It'll be micro-budget filmmaking. And I really wouldn't even have considered using my phone for an entire feature until now, partly because I own all the other cameras. I have a Blackmagic camera. I've got a Sony mirrorless at the studio I work out of. We have a red camera. So I have access. Cameras are not my problem at all. Really, it's more about 
how do I want to shoot this project? How do I want to be able to maneuver or go into locations and not worry about people looking at you thinking you're shooting a movie? You know, you can go in with a phone and be very incognito. And now that the quality is getting there, very similar on par with traditional cameras, especially, you know, affordable cameras. It's starting to look more and more like I could try to pull something like that off. Now, the iPhone 13 that's coming this fall, the rumor is they're going to be adding the fake shallow depth of field, the portrait mode video, which I've done a test with the ProTake app recently, and I was impressed with that. It's not perfect by any stretch, but if Apple can really perfect that, man, now we're really talking. In the past, what I said is that I would do any short film on a smartphone, and I have, and I would do B-roll or, you know, insert shots on a larger project using a phone, especially gimbal shots. Like I have a Blackmagic Pocket 4K, love that camera. But even with a small setup, it's fairly bulky, especially if you put it on a gimbal. And so to use that as your A camera to do most of the stuff is great. And then to use like a phone for any gimbal shots or B-roll, second unit kind of stuff could work great too. And I've done a video where I match those successfully. and so. Really, again, it's just a shallow depth of field that looks different. But if you're shooting wide, then you're not going to even notice that at all. It's usually the longer lens stuff that you see the bigger difference. And so now, though, again, with the newer devices and Log V3, that's even less of a problem. Maybe I do a hybrid. Maybe I would do a mix of my Blackmagic and my foam. I don't even have an idea, by the way, right now. I've got a couple ideas brewing in the background, but nothing set in stone. And so in a way, this is me just thinking out loud here during this podcast episode, but my wheels have been turning recently, not only because I am feeling the need to make another movie, but because of what I've been talking about here, the tech is catching up. But let me make a big point here. Don't wait on the tech. And I tell myself this all the time. If you're waiting on the tech to make your movie, you're never going to make your movie. The tech hasn't been my limitation because I have all these other cameras. It's just that now it's getting so good that you can easily take your phone and go to the park with your main actor and shoot a scene and not even really blink an eye anymore. Throw a wireless mic on your actor and yeah, you're off to the races. Now, this would be obviously more of a indie film vibe. You're not going to be having a big grip truck and a big crew out, you know, without permits or without a lot of money. but. A little bit of a maybe John Cassavetes vibe going here. I don't know. It doesn't have to be that type of uh, content, that type of genre, but that kind of vibe, though. I was always a fan of Ed Burns, you know, back in the, what was that, the mid-90s, late 90s, into the 2000s. And he's done some big movies and big TV shows, but he did a few movies along the way that I think he self-financed for like 20K. I mean, besides his breakout indie that was, what was it, Brothers McMullen. He did a lot of other movies along the way. And he's always brought that indie spirit even to larger scale projects. And so I've always liked guys like him. And of course, Kevin Smith, that type of mentality. He's done some bigger projects along the way too. Even Steven Soderbergh. And I know he's done a couple iPhone movies, but you know, he's the top of the top when it comes to A-list Hollywood, but he still likes to dip his toes in the indie world. And hell, make movies shot on phones. I'm sure studio executives were like, what? What in the world is he doing? But he's done that forever. I mean, back in the day, he shot a movie on a 
Canon XL2 or whatever that was at the time. Can't remember which movie that was, but he's embraced video and he was an early, early user of red cameras too. So that's just his mindset. And that's kind of the mindset I have too. I've never done bigger Hollywood stuff at all. I have done one project for Warner Brothers and that was more or less a pilot. It was a digital series. And so I have worked in Hollywood and that was interesting. I will say that. Learned a lot and pursued it to a degree, but really found that the lack of control can be pretty defeating. And that's one reason projects are developed forever. That's one thing that I also loved about web series and indie filmmaking. You have an idea, you just go make it. In Hollywood, you got to go around and you pitch. And, you know, I had an agent, I had a manager. You know, you got to shop the script, you got to take meetings. Now, don't get me wrong, if you sell something and you get a big deal and you get a lot of money, a big budget, that's great. But those are few and far between. And so the indie way of doing things has always been more appealing to me. And so even though I have had some limited success in that arena, I wasn't really drawn to it to pursue it long term. Now, I did for a while. At the time, I was focused more on writing and directing for episodic TV. And in the end, it turned out that's not really what I wanted to do, even though TV today is amazing. We're in that golden age of TV. But I was always much more interested in movies and filmmaking. For one, TV is like a real job. You actually go to work and you work all the time. I know that sounds bad, but as a filmmaker working on features, you know, you work on a big project for maybe a year, six months or a year, and then you don't have to work all the time. Just a different mentality. I've talked about being a freelance filmmaker on this podcast before, and that's the only way to go for me. I'm fortunate in that respect. I understand a lot of you guys that listen to this probably have jobs in more traditional industries, sales or insurance or accounting or whatever, and that's great. Don't quit your day job. I've been fortunate that over the years I make my living as a filmmaker. I make commercials and do corporate video and short films and, of course, my YouTube channel and web series. And, and I've made a semi-living off of my indie film work, not full-time living by any stretch. So as I sometimes do on this podcast, I'm sort of getting into a little bit of a rambling rant here, but I want to circle back to the original point, and that is I really think that for me, and this is just talking about me, again, everyone is an individual in the way that they approach their projects, but the iPhone now is something I would seriously consider making a long-form narrative project with. Now, I might combine it with one of my other cameras, as I mentioned, but it's something I'm seriously considering, and I don't think the project would suffer, in quotes. You know, you go into a project knowing you're going to shoot on a phone or whatever the camera is, and you know it's not going to look necessarily a certain way. But after this last shoot I did, I'm like, this looks like any camera that I would have shot with or a very close proximity to any one of the cameras, especially available to indie filmmakers who aren't shooting with Roger Deakins, if you know what I'm saying. And again, that's okay. So I don't know, am I crazy? Are you guys seeing the same thing? I don't know how prevalent the 12 Pro Max has gotten out there. I see, you know, a handful of people on my YouTube channel. A lot of people don't update their phones on a regular basis. I've been talking about how good I think it is from the day I got it. A lot of people kind of downplayed it like it wasn't as good. And I still can't figure that out. I think they were talking about the photography side, maybe. 
or again, they're just using the native camera app where they don't really push the phones like I do, or probably like you guys do who listen to me. These people wouldn't know what a B-Script DOF adapter even is, and that's fine. They're using their phone in a different way. And that's the beauty of it. These things are called Swiss Army knives for a reason. You can not only use your phone to make phone calls, <laughs> you can also use it to make a movie. You really can. And one that looks like a real movie, one that looks almost professional. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see how it goes. This is just something I've been thinking about, and we'll see if I pursue it. I'm going to pursue a feature film no matter what. And I've got a couple bigger ones that I've had on the back burner for a while. Those aren't ones that I would be shooting on a phone or by myself, though. Those are larger budget projects. Most filmmakers have different projects in various stages of development that they're working on. I'm no different there. But projects that you can do by yourself, that's what I'm talking about here. And, of course, now there are just no excuses. If you want to make a movie, you can. And so that's what I'm thinking about doing. And those guys on the poll that said, yes, definitely, I'm going to go make a movie. I hope you guys do it. because. There's never been a better time to be a filmmaker than there is right now as it relates to technology and how to make a movie. Selling the movie? That's a different story. That's a different podcast episode. <laughs> One other quick thing I want to mention, and this ties into my new course that I have, and that's my complete guide to smartphone audio production. In the shoot that I did with the new Ulanzi light, I mic'd the actress with a wireless mic, the Rode Wireless Go, and I ran it into Filmic Pro directly. I didn't go into a Tascam recorder or a Zoom like I normally do. I decided to just keep it all contained, run audio directly into Filmic Pro, and it worked great. We taped the mic behind her shirt up around her chest, and the sound was excellent. I was very pleased. And so I had to do a little bit of minor post-production on the sound, but that's expected and normal. I do that on all audio I record. So that makes it much easier for a one-man band or you know a small two-person crew to get out there and make a movie. You don't have to have an audio person with you at all times. Audio person is great if you can afford it or you know if you're needing one, depending on the situation. But knowing that you can take your phone and a wireless mic and get out there and get professional quality results is so cool today, really is. And as I indicated, I do have a new course all about smartphone audio production. Really, it's Smartphone Audio 101. And audio is super important. Some people think it's more important than the video, but it's at least equally important, that's for sure. And so if you learn Filmic Pro or you learn smartphone cinematography, do not discount the sound part. And now if you take those other courses, you could also take my smartphone audio course and hopefully that'll give you a well-rounded look or education into how to use those apps and how to get really good professional results. The course doesn't focus on movie making though. It's more of a general look at how to record good sound, whether you're doing video or podcasting or voiceovers. Really the sky's the limit and that's what's so cool about it. Anyway, if you're interested in that, there's a link in the show notes. I'll update you on whether I decide to go out and do a movie. It would require, you know, a lot of work and a lot of dedication. So we'll see what happens. But I am absolutely interested and inspired. I meant to say that earlier. Having these powerful tools at your disposal is just really inspiring to me. I just have always loved the idea of the freedom that these tools really do give filmmakers. You don't have to hire a big crew and you don't have to ask permission. And that's an important one. So if you do want to make a movie, get out there and do it. Don't wait to create.
Well, thanks for listening, guys. This is Blake Calhoun and another episode of Almost Professional. And I look forward to talking to you in the next episode.